Y'all, Seattle is sold out. Los Angeles sold out. Nashville sold out. And our other shows only have a few tickets left. So I am on a live tour in June. Get your tickets in Chicago, Portland, Santa Fe, Albuquerque, Washington, D.C., We have live shows and we have a writing workshop I am teaching. Plus, if you're in New York City, I am kicking off my book tour with Jon Stewart. And there are some tickets left. So check the link in the show notes to get your tickets. Welcome to Celebrity Book Club. This is a podcast that recaps and celebrates the memoirs of badass female celebrities who have been torn down by tabloids, dissected by social media, and faced heartaches and triumphs and come out of it all even stronger. I'm your host, Chelsea Devantes. I am a writer, comedian, and filmmaker. And this week we are book clubbing Casey Wilson's memoir, which is going to come out on May 4th, and it is titled The Wreckage of My Presence. Such a good title. This book is so good that I was actually in the middle of a script that was due, and I was in the middle of reading Sally Field's book for this podcast when I was given a copy of Casey's book, and I casually opened it, and then I couldn't put it down, and I finished it all in one sitting to the detriment of my own life. I told Casey she ruined my life with her amazing book. And so I am so excited to discuss her book. I knew I had no one to blame but myself, that this had all been my choice, because I was capable of making choices, and I had been making some bad ones. Heading home in rush hour traffic, late for dinner with my son, I heard a voice. A small voice at first, so small I barely knew where it was coming from, but it was telling me something. It was my voice, and it was telling me, just because someone says they know something doesn't mean they do, or that it's right for me. And this incessant searching had brought me further afield from my North Star, which was what I was paying people handsomely, supposedly to help me find. Services rendered nonsense. What if I didn't need intuitives or horse therapists to tell me what to do? In that moment, I knew I had sought long enough. That was Casey Wilson reading an excerpt from her book, and I am so excited to dive in. And we have a very, very special guest today who is going to discuss the book with us. It's Casey Wilson, you guys. Hi, Casey. Hi. Thank you for doing a, a half celebrity's book. I'm so excited. <laughs> Absolutely not. I refuse this. You are full tilt celebrity. Full uh, tilt celebrity memoir. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having oh me in that beautiful gosh. intro. Uh, well, and thank you for giving me a copy of your book early. I was truly jonesing for it as if I had like a drug problem where I'd be like, so I'm going to get that book, right? Like I'm going to get that book. Um, <laughs> I was so, like, yeah, you'll get it. She was like, calm no, down, calm I, down. You're truly one of my first friends that ever read it. And you're, I, I had been like kind of up at night just because you write these books and then you're like, should I have said that? <laughs> should I put that out there about my family, family member who's passed? But when I got your text, I'm like, you know what? I was able to kind of calm down and I'm like, okay, I think Chelsea, my friend who I respect, her opinion is at least not, you know, is enjoying it and it meant so much to me. So thank you. Oh my gosh. I'm so happy to have sent a text that calmed anyone. So that's that's something yeah, you've never me. calmed me before. You've always ramped me up. <laughs> um, so Casey, people know you from starring in Happy Endings, SNL, Black Monday, The Hot Wives. Honestly, way too many things to name. She's also the co-host of the podcast Bitch Sesh, which is probably how you found this podcast to begin with. Everyone knows your bio, so I'm actually going to share some credits of yours that everyone might Ooh. not know about. <laughs> oh God, I'm so scared. Go on. <laughs> you wrote. And directed Daddio, a short film inspired by your life that was set for South by Southwest and never got to go because a pandemic happened. But the film is so good. Mm. Is it available online yet? 
Yes, it's on YouTube. It's on YouTube, you guys. Okay, she starred in the short film White Man's Dick with Susan Sarandon. Is that correct? I don't recall ever being in that. But maybe I— Oh, yes, I did for Funny or Die. Okay, yeah, it was just on your IMDb. Oh, my God, I forget these credits. How could I forget a credit with such a gorgeous title? I mean, truly. I remember that. My favorite credit of yours— you performed in the New Year's Eve All-Stars of Comedy special at the Bowery in New York City in 2008, where one Chelsea Devantes spent a hefty $25 and attended in awe of you. And then I watched uh, Chevy Chase do a 20-minute long bit where he pretended to sell knives, and I was disappointed. Do you remember doing that in any way? I have no memory of—I have vague <laughs> memories of, of that. I don't know. I'm, like, starting to worry about my memory, but wow, what gorgeous credits. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. I, well, it, it honored to have you on, and I thought the people should know. Um, I also wanted everyone to know that I spent $25 to go to a gala in 2008, so I'm cool as well. Um, <laughs> so I, I know. Going to any gala feels very good. I mean, right? Um, yeah. Okay. So I introduce all my guests with the story of how we first met. My memory of you is meeting you with Yasser. Yes, at that huge Emmys party. That's that's where my memory is. Is that where yours is? Yes, yes. yes. And you coming up, and I was, because I always had loved Yasser, and I, I knew him, and my husband knows him really well. But then I was like, wow, who's this bright light of kind of spunk? Oh my gosh, thank with you. With Yasser, that's really fun. And I was like, oh, she's really, really fun. And then I was talking to Deanna Chang, June Diane Rayfield's sister, and she's like, I really like that girl, Chelsea. She's really fun. And I was like, she's fun. Oh my we were God. just like, she's so fun. Okay, thank you. Uh, always with a bold lip on. Always with, that is so true. My signature bold lip and I'm fun. Wow, I'm going to yeah. quote you guys. I'm quoting all of you on my website. Watch out. See, I'm wearing a bold lip, which I never do for you. Oh my God, thank you. And I am podcasting literally <laughs> from bed as is a theme in Casey's book. And I I took, mm. I'm, I'm really in bed, you guys, and it is weird. And Casey's not in bed and she's looking at me in bed and I'm doing it for her because I know you know the value of working from the bed. It feels so good to see you in bed. I, I can't tell you. It is a big story in her book that I won't spoil, but um, this is in honor of you, Casey, and I'm really comfortable. Um, so <laughs> I'm so glad. This is my version of how we first met. And I have to give you a preamble. Okay. Okay, so when you... Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, when you pitch TV shows, you often make a deck. And when you make the deck, you put in, like, actors who you want to, like, be in your TV show. Casey, you were in every pitch deck I've ever made. <laughs> what? Yeah. As, like, the weird neighbor? No. No, as the, as the lead. Always when I wrote A Funny Woman, I always wanted it to be you. If the character was 18, it was you. If she was 80, it was you. If she was 30, like, literally, no, no matter who I wrote, I was, like— Think Casey Wilson. Think Casey Wilson. Um, Because I really value, like, there's a lot of um, really great, talented comedic actresses, but you are not only a comedic actress, you are a comedian. And you were just so funny while also being a great actor. And I just find it really rare. And so I would always be like, think Casey Wilson. And so then when I met you, you, uh, it was at the craziest Hollywood party I've personally ever been to. It's... I I was handed gourmet pizza as I walked down the long, like, <laughs> forestry walk to the place. I was like, oh, my God. Uh, uh, and I met you, and I was so tongue-tied because you've been in every pitch deck uh, since I've started these. And you said to me, you are so pretty. And I— remember being, like, so nervous because it was you, but also this isn't, like, a very 
nice town. Like Hollywood's like not known for like people being nice. <laughs> and you didn't know me at all. And and I had obviously tried for six hours to look pretty that night. And it, I was just like, oh my God, she's so kind and like kind to to someone she didn't even know. And I thought it was really nice. So thank you. Oh, well, you are very pretty. That's the truth. And I'm an angel. <laughs> okay, yes, yes, yes. Pulling that on my website again. Um, and then uh, we were at dinner one time when I confessed to you that this that celebrity memoirs are my favorite genre and you were like I'm writing a book and I lost my fucking mind and that was like a, that was a few years ago now yes it was a long time ago so I am so fucking happy because I love this, this genre too yes you and told so me that. this is you're doing important work here because to me it's the greatest genre you're getting in in someone's life it's quick it's kind of the housewives of literature. Oh my God, you are so right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> or reality where it's like, we're really getting in there. No, I just love it. And it's quick and it's like highlights and hopefully funny. And some of them are not as funny. Yeah, which then makes them funny in a, a, a different exactly. way. What is the last celebrity memoir you read of someone else? Oh my gosh, I read so many of them. Well, I, I guess... Well, this is more, no, that was a biography on Mike Nichols. Okay. <laughs> oh, well, when we did our thing, I read Gabrielle Union's book. Oh, yeah. And I read, Didn't you read, like, Jody Sweeten's book or something? You, oh, Andrea Barber? That's right. <laughs> you read Andrea Kimmy Barber's Gibbler? Book. Yes. Of course I did. Oh, you know, the last one I read is um, that actress, Hillary Burton. Oh, yeah. Was it good? Has one. It's was a New York Times bestseller. Wow, wow, wow. Okay, I got to get on it. But it actually, it's 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 got that wish fulfillment where it's like actress who was in like a sexy TV show, then all of a sudden marries Jeffrey Dean Morgan and moves to like this idyllic town upstate and learns how to like put on her boots and become a farmer and like strip down wood. And it's actually really such a quick, great read. And then it's like, she's best friends with Paul Rudd. And it, you're just like, what's happening? I love oh, this. Oh, wow. With the description of like learning to like put on boots and farm, I was like, okay, I'm out, but I will still read it. <laughs> I know, but it's it's kind of like she leaves the celebrity life behind, but then the celebrity life comes a call. Okay, I'm back in. I'm back in. You know in. what I mean? Like it's it's like we're in the woods, but we've got money, which I feel good about. And then suddenly we own a candy store, Ooh. and it's charming. Oh, there's okay. good elements. Okay, I'm in. Honestly, I'm in for any celebrity memoir. I'll read all of them. And yeah. you know what? Um, one of the cookies in the Facebook group said today of like how in women's celebrity memoirs, they will be open to the difficult things they've talked about and they will dissect their trauma and their pain. And and she said, um, there's so much value. Like women's stories are so valuable. And that's really, t- it's like a very, I know we're talking about celebrity memoirs. I don't care. It, it's so valuable to hear another woman like talk in detail about her life. And there's so much value in your book. I I had no idea what type of book it was going to be, but I laughed. I cried. And I want to tell everyone this, the format for this podcast is going to be a little different because I'm going to talk to Casey, give you a taste of the book, but I enjoyed it so much. I don't want to spoil the book for people um, because I, I, this might be the funniest memoir I've ever read. And I was really thinking about it. And I'm talking about times I laughed out loud. You're, it's funnier than all the comedian memoirs, sorry. Um, Maybe it's because you were also so vulnerable. So when you did like make jokes, it was like that much deeper of a laugh. Have people reflected back to you like how funny your book is yet? I mean, I just started doing press for it. But again, you were kind of my first. My husband hasn't read it. My dad hasn't read it. That is, wait, how? Have you kept it from them? Well, you know, I was kind of like, oh, you just have the galley. There's like 
typos. I'm kind of a perfectionist. I was like, I'm just going to wait till the real thing comes because someone's only going to read it once and I kind of want them to read the full thing. And so I was, I'm still waiting on getting it. So I was just kind of like, they'll read that. So oh my gosh. I, I've done a couple interviews, but really your feedback has really been largely carrying me. So <laughs> I, I really appreciate it. You well, think I'm kidding here. Um, as soon as the book, out, book is out, you're going to hear it more. Okay. So here's my first question. Your book yeah. is dedicated to your brother Fletcher. Yeah. What is behind the dedication to your brother? Oh my gosh. So, you know, as you see in the book, my dad is a huge character. My mom's a huge personality. And then my brother was always kind of like, I'm like an engineer. I have to like raise my hand to be a part of this family. I'm never acknowledged. <laughs> I'm never in any of your stories. I'm never included. And I'm like, well, say something funny and maybe you will be. But <laughs> I just, he's such a huge part. You know, I did a short film about my dad. The book is largely, hopefully like a love letter to my mom before she passed. And and then my brother, I thought I really want to give this book to him. I think siblings and I'll just say someone had this quote about siblings of like they're actually the longest relationship of your life because you know them from from birth till till death and it, they outlive parents and 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 it we have a very special relationship and I thought I'd throw him a bone and give him a little dedication. <laughs> um, no, I, I loved it. And the book really is a love letter to your mom and I really, really fell in love with your mom, Kathy. Like, beyond a love letter, you're like, oh, I love this woman. And yeah, Fletcher is a, like, he's in the book, but you can also hear that personality. And so when it was dedicated to him, I thought that was so sweet. Um, There's also a Celebrity Book Club crossover moment pretty early. You quote Dolly Parton to open your book. And I know you have a deep love for her. What part of Dolly speaks to you the most and what led you to that quote? Oh my gosh. All of Dolly speaks to me, nine to five when I was younger. And then my mom took us to Dollywood, which was like our huge family vacation one year. And we stopped off at Patsy Cline's grave, like every family vacation starts. (laughs) (laughs) My mom's like, we're heading to Patsy Cline's grave, everybody. We're like, what? (laughs) And then I remember we went to Dollywood and I just loved it. I was like, I love this woman. I mean, I think did you read that she's the most beloved celebrity of all time? Oh, like yeah. she has the highest rating of any, you know, she's just the best. But she has this song called uh, Traveling Through from that movie Transamerica mm-hmm. with Felicity Huffman, RIP. Just kidding. <laughs> she's very much alive. I'm kidding, everyone. Um, just kidding. I'll just a college admissions joke. Um, anyway, and but it's such a beautiful fucking song, and I feel like it didn't really get its due, but it's about, you know, just harder times, and I think it's a beautiful quote. So, yeah. I put it in, however, Chelsea, um, all that said, Dolly's estate did not allow me to use it for the full book, final book. Wait, are you serious? It's not in the— No. Dolly! No. I know, all that said. Dolly! Uh, okay, well, I hope she I hears this now, that is. Well, listen, and now, I'm sh- what, I'm, what a little Easter egg for our listeners. What a little Easter egg, was. traveling through. You're like trying to give her give her song a shout out. So rude. Okay. I choose to believe that's not Dolly's work. Yeah, that's, that's like, like the, the work of or something. That's the man, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's not Dolly. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, let's believe it's not Dolly. I like that. Also, you know what? She didn't no allow way. a statue of her to be erected in pandemic. She refused the presidential medal of honor. You are in good company of That's absolutely right. Well, she said. She didn't want to take away from me. Yeah, from, exactly. From what from what yeah. your book is doing. Um that's so right. You also have this like amazing story about being a bed person, eating dinner in bed, and also bathtub and working from the bath, two things I hard relate to. And actually, this is making me remember you have a you have a May birthday, don't you? 
Were you born in May? No, my son does. I have an October. Oh, okay. Listen, I was really thinking you were giving me hard Taurus vibes with uh, the bed and the bed. Well, no, I'm a Taurus. I'm a Taurus um, moon, which is like means okay. your child, like good. infantile self is a Taurus. Okay, good. I can still believe in astrology. Just like I never want to move. I want to hibernate. I want to be home. Yes, same. And amongst luxury. Yeah, amongst luxury. Yes, okay. <laughs> You're not just home. You're amongst luxury. Luxury. And <laughs> yeah, there's this amazing quote about your dad, and I'm like, oh, this is where you got it from. Uh, your dad's name is Paul. Paul Wilson also loves a hot tub, or as he calls it, a talk tub, since he sets the temperature to a more reasonable degree, which he feels encourages people to linger and chat. He's never happier than when he's shoulder to shoulder with friends and strangers in a lukewarm hot tub connecting. <laughs> so my question for this is, do you have room in your life for a second podcast called Talk Tub with me and your dad in a lukewarm tub? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And let me tell you, Paul Wilson will be out here quicker than quick at your door, is- ready to do the hot tub, water just below nipple height, ready. That is such a good tip to make it lukewarm so you want to stay in there longer. Uh, that's genius. But like, do you want to stay in longer? Or do you want to leave? But he's like, if it's scalding, people get right out and you can't really get to anything in there. I'm like, what are we getting to? Uh, d- it's like we're getting to deep, stuff. Deep, intimate stuff that I'm honestly going to take this into my life and you've possibly ruined Yasser's life by writing this paragraph in your book. Because I'm going to be like, it's a talk tub. <laughs> yeah. Today, I um, I said, wouldn't it be fun to like get in a hot tub and listen to a podcast? And he told me there was nothing he could imagine that sounded worse. So I was like- It sounds great to me. I was like, come on. You have to crank it up, but you put it right next to you. Yeah, Yeah, that sounds wonderful. he didn't like it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I love the stories about your dad in the book. He's also, I I feel like I know him because of your short film, Daddy-O. But um, some of those stories are in the book. There was another story you wrote about of him driving someone to court. And he's like, they've- like, there's an injustice, and I need to defend them in court. And then your next sentence was, he is not a lawyer. <laughs> no, he's not. If anything, I'm like, did he harm that man's life? He he met a, a, a gentleman, a homeless gentleman, and was like, I'm going to get him his kids back. And I'm like, are you qualified for this? <laughs> I love it so much. Do you, know, do you know what happened at the end of that court case? <laughs> no, he tried, but it didn't go very well. It didn't go yeah. his way. I imagine being a lawyer would have— helped more a little. I think yeah. ultimately maybe if he had loaned some funds for a lawyer. <laughs> I, I just, I really fell in love with um, your whole family in this book. And then also with you more too, where it's like, oh, so many. <laughs> and I, I mean, you have such a unique childhood and family and, and, and we all do blah, blah, blah. But like, I, I just found your stories to be like so funny and heartwarming. And did you know, like when you were writing about your family, did you know that going in or did you write the stories and look back and be like, oh, that's hilarious. Like my dad was not a lawyer. (laughs) I kind of knew it going in. I mean, everyone in our town would be like, your family. Woo. Wow. You know, (laughs) we got the sense as we were moving through the world that like something was very strange. And so I knew it, but then some, even some other things looking back, I was like, I really can't believe that happened. So both. One... 100%. Um, You have another, you have a phenomenal story in the book about being pressured to lose weight, um, to make it in Hollywood. And one of my favorite things is you talk about how you wish you were a part of the body positive generation to be like, fuck off, but also that it's no coincidence when you got your big break, it coincided with losing weight. And I thought it was so great because it was so honest because I'm constantly in conversation with myself of like, 
being body positive and like doing good for myself and like fuck these expectations, but also the when you're in the business and someone is like, you can have $30,000 if you lose 10 pounds. You're like, oh shit. You know what I mean? Like, and it's, I just, I just want, so yes. So my question for you is like, when, when you were going through that, um, what did, like, what was the turning moment where you were like, actually all of you can fuck off and leave me alone? Or is it still something you like go back and forth with, like being a woman of Hollywood? I definitely, I do feel at this point in my life, I'm 40 of like, all of you go fuck off. But at the time, you know, I was let go from SNL and just for context. And then an article came out in the Hollywood Reporter saying that I had been fired because I was overweight coincided with this movie that I was in and the director, I mean, I'm laughing because it's so crazy. I didn't put this in the book. The director called me. We had done a photo shoot before the movie and he's like, you have to lose weight. What? And he was like, he was, he was on fire. And I'm, and he goes, just so you know, the way you look represents me. My <gasps> name is on this movie. And I was just like, wow. Like you're just not prepared. I'm not saying this is like the world's greatest hardship. Please no. Okay, but, but Casey, that's, Crazy. It was just things were happening that I was like, honestly, it is easier on me to lose weight. I cannot go through these conversations and what people would say online. And I I really actually was, it was kind of an act of self-compassion, even though it seems like, well, I was just doing it to, I was just like, I need to fly under the radar here. People seem to have an anger towards a body on television that is not whatever they think it should be. And I have a lot more kind of strength now, but I was like, I, I just had this feeling of like, I need to hide. And hide was actually, came in the form of losing weight. Casey, that is At that so, time, I'm just like, I cannot go through this again. That is so um, painful and powerful of like, yeah, I can't have men be so fucking mad at me about my body. So it's easier to lose weight than live as I am. Because you're so right. People get so mad when you do not fit into the box. Yes. And you can just feel the anger. And that's why, like, you know, I followed this account and you probably know the book, The Body is Not an Apology. And I'm like, oh my God, why didn't I? I just, that's kind of what I was feeling of like, I'm apologizing for something that I I don't know why in the fuck I'm apologizing for this. Just with my body language, with my presence in a way that I do not share that viewpoint now, but you have to live to kind of come out from under that, I think. Oh yeah. And also it, if if that director was not so fucking hot, and I know he was. I don't even know who we're talking about, and I know he was hideous. Yep. Like, how dare—it's like, well, your ugly-ass face represents you, you dumb fuck. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, if last time I checked, my face is the one on screen. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm representing myself out Isn't there, you, buddy. Like, directing, representing your work? <laughs> like, yeah, and, like, and by the way, make it better. <laughs> that is—that's uh, so intense, and you're so right, and— and, and yeah, one thing that when we talk about like being pod- body positive and we are thankfully in the moment where like the language in the media is changing, is, yes, is, I love is it. very, you know, it's, but it's changing, it's changing. But um, yes. one thing that is hard for me when I want to be body positive is that people also won't be honest, you know, and mm-hmm. being honest to say that like, yes, Hollywood is changing to be body positive and also all the producers are still asking them to lose weight, you know? And like, yeah. that is just, the truth of what's happening and like being put in that position is excruciating. And I will say since that moment, no one has ever said anything to me and my weight has gone up and down. And I've been like, I gained 80 pounds with both pregnancies. Anyway, I, I, so I've been all over the fucking map, but I don't know if that's, I probably now just don't, 
I wouldn't allow anyone to say that to me, uh, just in my very fiber of my being. So maybe no one, maybe people want to say it and they don't. I don't fucking know. I, but I, I, I love that. And also, yeah, same. I used to, people said a lot of really cruel things about uh, my weight. And yeah, I don't know what happened, but now, like, you probably wouldn't make it out of that conversation alive. And I wonder if you can just sense that about me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, uh, I yeah. wonder if that's like a thing where people are like, hmm, no longer a target. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I, I do think. Yes, I think. Yes, I Ugh. think. I, I was so open to like feedback. Yes, same. And like, I'll do whatever and I want you to like me. And I think in some ways that is a turnoff too. Uh, you know, yeah. and yeah. But it comes from such a sweet place. So then when people get slammed, it's just so, such a bummer. You're right. And like, uh, we just did Sally Field with Danielle and like her. She just wants to be like so bad, and it's and it's so unlikable, and it and it's awful. You know what I mean? Because uh, you know, it's just it's awful that those things go together. Just overall, I don't want to spoil it for anyone because again, I found it very powerful. All of the stuff about food and body just like really spoke to me, and I felt so seen in a way I haven't yet, Casey. So I just want to tell you. Oh, uh, I'm so happy. Okay, the next thing I wanted to ask you about. Um, <laughs> okay, I have a quote that I. I loved so much. She looked at me evenly. Cool girls aren't easily ruffled by unsolicited, off-the-wall personal revelations because they don't really care. And that's what's at the heart of my anger towards these mythical unicorns. It's as if they equate caring with weakness. And I do care. I care deeply if someone feels upset or embarrassed or left out. I not only care, I take on their emotions in what some would describe as a codependent form of trauma bonding with friends and strangers alike. And this girl couldn't be bothered to even throw me an mm-hmm. <laughs> Hi. My question for you is, will you marry me? Um, I, I... I loved this so much, Casey. I Yes, to be truly cool, you have to not care. And that was articulated so well. I, I, yeah. And yet I still, like, want to be a cool girl sometimes. Or, or more, I just, like, still, like, am into these women that are, like, so cool. I'm like, how do they do that? And I want that. But then at the same time, I'm like, but there is a coldness that I just can't get behind. But I have to feel that way because I'm also not cool. So I mean, I have, have you of- ever tried to be like, yeah, I'm not going to— I'm not going to text back. I'm not going to, like, engage. Like, I'm cool. Of course. It never works. And then I, like, text 100 times because I'm like, they're going to see you do that. They're going to know that I was, you know, and then it just gets even weirder. And, yeah. The most intense relationships I've been in with female friends were the ones who did not give a shit if they ever texted anyone back, including me. And I just, it drove me to insanity. Like, they just would never text you back? Yeah, yeah, and, and people who are just kind of generally fine with that, you know, like you didn't answer a question, you didn't whatever, and I would, I, and I, yeah, I suffer from the exact opposite. Like, even if it slips my mind, I will wake up three weeks later in the middle of the night and be like, oh my God, that person DM'd me and I never wrote back. That's how. Right, and then you, what yeah. you'll write is, I'm so sorry, I, yeah. Yeah, 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 you know, but you're not getting those sorries from those people. No, from those cool girls. I, I have a friend who... I literally have had to follow up with her three times if she was going to come to a, a a dinner that I'd invited her through three times. And I'm just kind of like, I can't believe the amount of work I'm having to do to get a dear friend to just simply respond if they're attending a party I'm throwing for them. <laughs> like, I just like, what's happening here? And I do love her, but some people are just, I don't actually question how she feels for me, but I'm like, it's just so not me. I don't relate to that. 
And I have, I also yeah, am admiring it, yeah. of people who are like, oh, I'm not going to take that on like that level of like worrying about others. I think there's a balance that I am too far on one side too, but also like I'm going to write something back. Oh, yeah. And also, yeah, there's something admirable about it because it's cool to have boundaries. <laughs> it's always cool. But I just wrote back to a fan who sent me a letter to my home. I have no idea how he found our address since it's not, like, out there. And he wrote to me as his cat. And I was like, hey, you. Kay- Casey, no, so you did So I have a problem, too. Okay, that, maybe that's actually I, a safety I, thing. <laughs> I know. I know. As his cat, You know, though. like, what I'm saying is I'm also on the— what? As his cat, though. That's a good creative choice. You had to respect that. Yeah. And like, it could have been funnier, you know, as the cat, but still. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I was like, God, what's wrong Casey, with me? you wrote back. He's going to show up at your door. I know. Well, he wanted me to sign some headshots and I was kind of like, he did go to some trouble. Like, <laughs> I can quickly. And he gave me like the self-addressed, you know. <laughs> oh, wow. I really like him. Wow. See, yeah, I, I, I have a problem too. Like, I'm not, no, I will but My this. sister-in-law, Shira, you know, and Deanna again, were like, this is so upsetting that you are even considering the fact that you've already done it is so shocking and beyond the pale <laughs> that you're writing back to this insane person. That is so And I loved, oh God, I love Deanna so but much. But if he's and, listening, I like him and please don't hurt me. And, and <laughs> being a cat is cool. Um, <laughs> I love cats. Okay, speaking of Shira, her parts in the book, I was screaming, <laughs> laughing, and I, I, I love Shira so much. And after this, I'm like deeply, deeply, uh, even more obsessed with her. She had advice for you. She loves this podcast as well. Um, that is that is such an honor because her advice. Uh, I feel like everyone in the book club should have it. One, her advice is to play hard to get with your own husband. That's funny. and. Per what we're talking about, not text him back. Don't check in on him. You're busy. You're busy. He doesn't know where you are. (laughs) Even if you're in the other room, he doesn't know what you're doing. Like, don't make yourself too accessible. That's what. Yeah, and I love how you were like, absolutely not, Um, because that's how I would be too. But I, I think it's probably incredible relationship advice. Um, And her, (laughs) yeah, her other piece of advice, I'm like still laughing about, which is that every time your kids walk in the room, pick up a book and pretend like you were just reading. (laughs) <laughs> as a way to teach them that books are good, but you don't actually read it. But you don't actually read it. And I love that she's just like, you know, it just makes me laugh. Like she's never, she's not saying you need to read it and like you should read more around your kids. She's just like, oh God, no. She's like, just pick it up yeah, when they're coming in. Uh, yeah, and she said to leave books around your house. So there was always one yeah. around that you could pick up. Because <laughs> <laughs> you don't know where you'll be. Um, I'm going to take that advice a step further um, and just do that with anyone. Kids or not, right. you know, your boss. Because adults actually would be more impressed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then they would imbue you with the idea that, like, you must be really smart. Right. But you have a, a podcast with the name book in it. Well, I mean. <laughs> yeah. Ex- well, but but also the word celebrity know, memoir in it. You know. And people don't realize that this is literature. This is our best literature. But I will say I am— um, at home, when I podcast and when I get on Zooms, I have probably 50 memoirs stacked up in my my office behind me, and they're too far away for people to read. And people always comment like, wow, look at all those books. And I'm never like, yeah, that's uh, Jessica Alba's how-to diet book. <laughs> okay, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, so many more amazing stories, including one about Casey's improv boyfriend that uh, made me want to throw stuff against the wall. (laughs) 
I started this podcast because I have been obsessed with memoirs my entire life. And I can't believe it, but I got to write my own. And it comes out on June 4th, and you can order it right now. The book, you know, I was asked to describe it, and I said, it is an absolutely harrowing, traumatic memoir, but funny. So if that sounds good to you, order it. Let me give you some topics that are in this memoir. A female best friendship breakup. How I got my break into Hollywood. When I found out my dad was not my real dad. The time I dated a magician. Are those last two related? Who's to say? Read the book. Growing up in Utah. Growing up around cults. How I got into therapy. Listen, I could keep going. Each chapter title is a different woman's name in my life. Some are heroes. Some are motherfucking villains. But you know what? A villain and a hero, what are both of those things? A leading role. And we do love women in our leading roles. So pre-order the book. It matters a lot. I linked everywhere that you can buy it in the show notes, but you know, go anywhere. Also, I am reading the audiobook personally. So I'm personally narrating it. So if you like this podcast, get my longest podcast ever. And the audiobook is also available for pre-sale everywhere you get audiobooks. And thank you so much for listening to this podcast. You are the reason I got to write a memoir. So thank you so, so much. Welcome back. Okay, you have another story in... Your improv boyfriend teacher, again, hard relate, he told you to audition for an improv team. And he's like, just do it. Besides, I'm in charge of picking everyone. And then you didn't get it. But I think you're forgetting a very key detail, which is that my mom had just died and I did not want to leave my dad yet and come back to LA. And he's like, come back. You'll get on the team, but you have to audition. No. And I got here and he's like, you didn't get it. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Oh my Kept God. Kept dating a while longer. Um, so Casey, my question for you is, why did you not include his full name and address in the book? <laughs> you know, I, I've dated so many of these improv guys and they're just clueless. And he's actually very genuinely nice person. No, I'll give nope, him that. No, nope, but nope. I'm going to cut that but out. But look, if anyone can say there's no nepotism alive at, at work at my in my career, I will state that. Like even people close to me were like, no. My dad wrote sketches for me when I was on SNL. That's right. He would send them in. And they would always star Kristen and Amy. What? Because even my dad was like, well, and then I was like, how come I'm such a small part in this? Again, I never want to do this sketch. It's called Bed, Bath, and Be- Bed, Bath, and Obama World was one of them. Oh, no. I'm like, I never want to do this. Like, what the hell are these sketches? Like, what's happening? And, and why am I such a small part, though, if we were going to do it, which we never are? And he's like, well, we need it to be, like, like believable. Stop. <laughs> Casey, also, you did um, you did a great show, and it's online, where you told the story of one of these sketches, and he wrote it about you and for you called Mon- Monster Daughter, and you were the monster oh, yes. daughter. That's right. That is— mm-hmm. pa- About him and I and our relationship. Yeah. And he or Will Forte would play him. <laughs> no. Or my father was an option that he wanted for himself to play. He thought he play. could do the cameo on SNL. But to play himself, it's so much, so confusing. To play himself in drag because he was portraying a real-life situation between his new girlfriend after my mom died and me. And I was the monster daughter being like, you can't date anyone. And my dad was basically trying to speak to me through a sketch, but he didn't even realize what he was doing. And also, it's, your, it's layered. to be on SNL is like the highest level of stress you can have in this career. And there's a lot of stressful situations for people in this career. But SNL, I, I would say, is 
probably one of the highest. And to just be dealing with that emotionally had to have been real fun too. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Well, it was like, honestly, the funniest material people liked from me because they didn't want to put my sketches on, but they would pass around my father's sketches and make fun of them. No, are you (laughs) So I was like, at least I'm providing comedy content from the Wilson family. Crank it out, crank it out, because I got to give this to Seth Meyers. (laughs) I loved your story. I'm not, I'm like, I'm skipping around, but um, I, I loved oh, how after you get fired from SNL, because I think as a comedian coming up, you think your only option is SNL. At least I did. I yes, didn't know there absolutely. were other options. It's just like, I guess it's SNL or like fuck off and die. Um, yeah. And so, yeah. So did you, you had that same perception too of like, I just have to do this. I did, although it's interesting. So yes, because my mom and I and dad, we grew up watching it, blah, 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 like everyone did. And I was like, oh, I love Sherry O'Terry and Molly Shannon. But I also, what I liked even more than that was like Shirley MacLaine and like Goldie Hawn. So I, I'll, and even Deborah Winger, like women that I thought were great actors, but also like really funny. And so I also was kind of like, but wait, what are they doing over there? Yeah. But then in my brain, I was like, but I could only do sketch comedy. Yeah. But really, I think never equating myself with those women, but I'm like, oh, that's kind of what I always responded to. But yes, I thought as I started off my career, like, oh, all I can do is do a sketch about like a farting dragon. The institutions we study at like make you think, because SNL will come to those institutions for auditions. And so then you think like that's that's the only way. That is so interesting. Yeah. And I uh, I remember thinking like, I have to be on SNL. I have to be on SNL. And someone was asked me why. And I said, so that I can make my own movies. Um, and someone was like, you know, you can do that without being on SNL. And I was like, I guess I didn't think that was po- like how, like, how, you know like, what I mean? But I just loved that they got you? to like write and yeah. do their own movies. Yeah. 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 Um, which is so funny because then that's what happens to you. You become, I'm saying it, you become the Goldie Hawn, the Deborah Winger. Like you became like that very funny comedic actress in Happy Endings. And you told the story of, did you really audition for 30 pilots that season? Yes. Yes. Wow. That, and um, I, okay, this is a spoiler for the book. It is the last it's audition. Okay. It's not okay. <laughs> I loved reading this and I don't want to take anything from anyone listening. Um, she got you, it was the last audition of the whole season and you hadn't gotten anything and you weren't even going to go. And I will say even more shocking to that, she had no makeup on and her, your hair was wet. Hair was wet. This is, yeah. this is a truly <laughs> no, that unbelievable part story. is How what's really upsetting. <laughs> yeah, that is the most upsetting part. Yeah, um... Well, it's it, it. I was shooting my friend Nick Kroll's pe- like thing, and I was like literally about to get in hair and makeup, and I had to go up to him, and I was shooting in half hour, and I'm like, I have to leave now for five hours. He was like, What? <laughs> I was like, I think I need to leave now, and he's like, For his one big day of like a pilot that became the Kroll show, and I was like, I I do need to leave, and he let me. So part of it is a love letter to Nick for letting me leave for happy endings, so I could meet my husband and have my kids. Yeah. Oh my god. How, like, first off, how fateful. And also, Casey, if you were, like, shooting something, your pilot, and and so, someone came up to you and they're— Absolutely and, not. Wouldn't you lose it? I would lose my mind. I'd be like, get the fuck out of here. Oh, I think I would be like, this friendship's over forever out of, like, petty anger. Um, of course. And I, 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 I don't even know what I would do. I'd lose happened. my mind. Although, totally. I would behave completely differently. Yeah. So yeah. I, it was a shock that he said yes. I could be doing a short film that I didn't pay someone for. And if they had to leave, I'd be like, but you promised. Um, <laughs> Me too. If like a background person walked out of like a, yeah, yeah, like a real show, I'd be like, please, you can't do this to me. Yeah. I'll ruin you. But that story was so cool because it is such a fateful moment in your life. It really made me think of like, oh, I want to be more like uh, Nick Kroll. So 
So the other, there's another fateful person in that story, which is um, one of your managers, Brooke Popejoy, who yep. I weirdly know because she is— You do? Yeah, yeah. I, I got to send Brooke the book. I haven't shown her. I I um, I was so excited to see her. Her Casey is like, this is important. I'm going to list her full name because, like, she— has a, yeah. a hand in changing your life where Casey's not going to go to this this audition and Brooke calls her and is like, you have to go. Like, what about, because, you know, reps bullshit people all the time. How did you know she meant it? Because, A, I've also never passed on anything, so I didn't even know to know that. I was just like, I can't go. So I'd already talked to my other manager, and I said, I can't go. And she was like, okay, no, what could she do? I was already booked at another job, so they were like, okay. Yeah. And then for Brooke to call back— she was like, I'm telling you, I'm reading it. It's a really good part for you. I really think you got to go. So I was just like, I'm going to go. I don't know how or why, but she, I could just hear in her voice that she felt it. Wow. It's so, yeah, it's so special. I can't, I, and like how, again, so for anyone who doesn't know, um, Casey books Penny, gets on the show, but the, the creator of that show, David, later becomes your husband. So it yeah. really, it's like this thing that like has to happen in life. It's its the sliding doors yes. moment of, yeah. It, it really was. And it was th- that kind of down to the wire. And so I do always think of those moments. Like everybody has them where you're like, and A, I had to be let go of SNL to even be able to get on that show. So like all the things, not to be cheesy, but that you're like, this is the worst thing. It's like, it's all kind of, I think, of course, part of some... I don't even know that it's a greater plan, but there is a reason for everything on some level that you'll find out down the line. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, so that brings us to the psychic moment, uh, which is my favorite moment in every celebrity memoir. Casey's are (laughs) incredible. You have multiple of them, but the one you just mentioned, um, so it happens on page 169, I cried. (laughs) Um, You went to a medium um, and talked to your mom. And your mom told you that you were fired from SNL because, quote, we had to get you out of there so you could meet David and the boys. Now, look, is that what Lauren Michaels thought when he let me go? Maybe not. (laughs) But (laughs) I, I'll say, is is this make me feel better about that experience? Yes. But it was literally that close to of like not being sitting here in this chair. And the other things that Psychic told me were so wildly insanely accurate in ways that no one could know. And so I trust, I do believe that. I also believe that it's too, um, it's too on point. It's, it's also like you can hear your mom in the book and you can hear your mom in that moment. And, um, I listen, I also had a psychic rock me to my core and tell me like incredibly accurate things. And like, after that, how do you, how do you ever, cause we're comedians. We know it's stupid to believe this. Yeah. How do you ever not believe after that? You know what I mean? Where you're just sort of like, yeah, I know, but like, I, I know, but that's so on. I know. And, and also, I'm also this huge believer of like, if it isn't true, who cares? Like, if it makes you feel better, who the hell cares? Like, oh my God. Really? I was at peace after speaking to that psychic in a way I've never been after like millions of years of therapy. It was an hour and a half session with Laura Lynn Jackson, shout out. And okay, I, so I'm like, (laughs) I'm. I'm good. Honestly, you just said that, and my brain was like, oh, good. She said her full name. I can go see her. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Laura Lynn Jackson. Because she's yeah. wild. I, okay, I'm going to text her for you if you want to see her. But she, when I said to her, it was also very random that I got. She has a very long waiting list. A friend that I'm like sort of friends with was like, you go to her, whatever. It was weird that I got in right on my birthday. It was so oh, weird. It was your birthday. I, okay, now I'm an extra believer. 
it all just was weird. Like they were like, oh, it's a three-year wait to see Laura. Then my friend was like, well, I'll text her. But again, it wasn't even really a close friend. She just kind of said it. I'm like, really? And she's like, absolutely, because I heard her on the Goop podcast. I know this is all a lot to take in and receive for everyone. But bottom line, so I get on the phone with Laura and I go, oh my gosh, I can't thank you enough for making the time for me and she for scheduling this. And she goes, oh, I didn't schedule this. The other side did. I was what? like, what's that? <laughs> and she's mean? like, they they make the scheduling. They like, Basically, like, they do my plans. <laughs> I was like, wow, I need to get some of these people. <laughs> but basically, like, when someone wants to come in so strongly, they are drawn in and called in through a bunch oh, of different channels. Oh, my gosh. Casey. Again, is it true? Is it not? I choose to believe yes. I but I also respect people that say no. I know. But you know what? Literally in the Jennifer Lewis podcast, I was just talking about how like, you know, I think I'm done with stuff like that. And now in this one, I'm like, ah, oh, God, I got to go. I got to go. Yeah. Looks, she'll see Look. me in six years, but I'm going to put my name on the waiting list. <laughs> exactly. Um. Uh, okay. Now, uh, going back. Uh, your story. So your podcast is so funny. And I found the essays about the podcast to be like so deeply moving. And literally in my notes, I wrote your essay on the housewives needs to be extra published because I guess I don't have a good vocabulary where I was basically saying like it's in a book, but like it needs to extra be published other places. And we we just found out it's going to be printed in a magazine. Can we say that? Yes. Yes. Okay. Everyone go get a hold of the essay. It is so funny. Um, and the one thing that surprised me about doing this podcast um, is that it is an artistic space that doesn't have 30 people telling you no or making you wait two years before you can debut the joke, which is what happens in TV, yeah. which is what we both work in. It's still like the Wild West in such a great way. Such a good point. And I wanted to ask you this because this podcast for me has become my most favorite creative thing I do out of all my projects. And that plays a big part in it. Did you also find that you were shocked by how fulfilling this avenue was? I was so shocked and continue to be because there's so many things I work into the ground and I work so hard on and nobody gives a fuck or it's so fraught or, you know, there's a million people giving you notes and it's just, it's like kind of soul sucking. And this was like, all right, we'll throw this out there and try. And you just cannot control what people like. Yeah. Number one. But number two, it's like, if you don't like it, I don't care. It's fine. <laughs> like that is actually an area where I am okay if people don't like something because I'm like, well, it is free for you. And oh, oh, I we're just that. having fun. I really am. Danielle's like, I cannot believe she will see me write to people online. So this is the flip of that other side. If people have a comment, I always just write, like, you are more than free to not listen. Like, I don't care. You know, I I am very clear on the podcast. Like, it's fun. We're offering this to you, to take or not. Like, you're not purchasing this. And I just think it's fun. And I really hate when it gets, like, tampered with, with people— you know, people are just, they get so worried about every little thing. It's like, calm down. Like, we're just talking about the real size. But it's just such a free, fun thing that I get to do with Danielle. And we have so many laughs and nobody's fucking telling us what to do. Nobody even cares if we take like a popular song and throw it on there. Nobody's listening. Like, there's no copyright laws. Like, there's nothing. Uh, nobody cares. That, and and yeah, and yeah, everybody, ca- you know, because you have this whole audience that cares. And like, I'm one of them. And like, God, that is such... A good point. And I'm going to take a piece of that with me. So get ready. If you write me, I'm going to I'm gonna copy paste <laughs> Casey's tweet to you. Now, if someone has something legitimate, I will respond to them, of course. But I am just like, people will c- come up with like the smallest, weirdest things. But by and large, 99% of the audience is just like, it wants to have a laugh about the housewives. And it's a really nice, nice group. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I— 
It's just fun podcast, which is fun, I, I think. I totally agree. So in case you don't know, listen to a podcast, podcasters get paid percentage of advertising. And uh, people ask me, like, how do you make money off of Celebrity Book Club? And the honest answer is I have no idea. And I don't want to know because I enjoy it so much. I I want to protect it, which is so silly. But I'm like, I want, like trying to like protect how much I enjoy doing this because so many other creative things in my life have become like numbers and math and notes and and all that stuff. Are you at least accepting the checks in your bank account? When I get one, sure. Right. You're just not keeping a close tabs on it. No, no. Okay, I need good, money. Good. I need to like pay rent. Um, but I'm like putting yeah. off finding out. Uh, yes. I don't know. I just like, I don't want to enter I've the business I've never one it. time, I've never one time checked our metrics. Everyone's like, Jenny, check your metrics. Do you want to know who listened to this and who listened? I go, no, I don't. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just fun. I don't care. Yeah, I, I think it's important to protect fun things when you're in a fun, creative profession yeah. and it all gets ruined by other people. To- it's so true. It's just like this thing is for you. And yeah, and it's also very like ephemeral. Like it's gone after a week. It's like into the poof, into the air, which I really like about it. That's so funny. Except why it the is book recorded is like a bit forever. scarier. <laughs> Absolutely. And people do go back and unearth things. But I don't know. It, there, it's just something such a fuck all in a fun way. That's so cool. I love that. Um, and Okay. So then another thing I really admire about you and I want from you, Casey, is your ability to express anger. And you wrote a great little piece in the book about like how annoying it is when people hide their anger. And I agree. And I'm also one of them. Uh, I'm like, oh, I'm fine. Everything's <laughs> fine. Um, and you wrote this incredible line, anger demands you do and sadness requires you be. So anger is like a more interesting uh, or a better emotion because it's actionable, whereas like you have to sit in sadness. And I thought that was so, that was just such an incredible line. So have you felt in writing about anger, anger has gone down for you? I mean, I have a temper. I just do. It, I love it, it, it so much. I, I don't work want on it to it go away. So much. I work on it so hard, and it just doesn't want to like sand fully down. But I am like a completely different person. If you saw me in my twenties, really, like what? I would be so friendly. But if some someone pushed me, I would fucking come back at them like so hard. It just had no tolerance for anything, and like. Yeah, just I love you it know, though. I like picking that. fights that like you who why are you taking this on? Why are you doing this? Screaming at friends like just which is kind of why I Nate called the book the wreckage of my presence cuz like you can really hurt people when you turn your words on them. But <laughs> I I hate this answer and it makes me so ill to say but the only thing that has helped me is meditation. Oh, yeah. Then I'm never going to get over my anger. And my mood stabilizer. Go on. Yeah, mood stabilizers, those help. I When I was on um, Bitch Sesh the first time, you told a story about um, your roommate coming in the room and maybe, like, not knowing you were asleep in the dark. And <laughs> yeah. she yeah. said something about you, and you, like, screamed. To Kristen Bell. Face. To Kristen Bell. <laughs> that's r- Oh, my God. That's right. How could I forget that? Uh, the part that stuck with me was yeah. you uh, throwing her against the wall. Um, I don't actually know I'm if you did her? that. Yeah, it was, that's what happened. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And you were like, don't ever talk about me. And I was like, I, I, why? I want to be like that so bad. And I do have, I, usually when I have booze in me, I am like that. But when I'm sober, I'm not. And I want, I want it to come through in my sober waking hours. Do you want to be choking a roommate yes. on NyQuil? Yeah, yeah, I do. For talking <laughs> shit about know. me, I'd love it. Like, people- <laughs> no, well, she didn't even say that. Oh, she said, oh, she said I was faking being sick. Yeah. I didn't love that. Yeah. <laughs> but but like, I don't think it deserved all that. I... Yeah, like if so, like there are people who have been cruel to me and I'll see them in person and smile. 
Like what? Like oh, I should be throwing I'm still friends on with them. the director that told me that. I was going to say it earlier and then I'm like, I don't think No way. I, I'm still friends with him. Yeah, I went to dinner with him uh, a year ago. Casey. No. I know. I forbid that. This is the cat letter guy. Okay, so you have weird lines. You have weird lines where you're like overly nice and then lines yes. where you're like also, I will say one thing, and people uh, give me shit for this all the time. Like, just because someone is like can act monstrous, and maybe it's because I can be this way, I can be, work within it. I can be very forgiving. And oh, he that's apologized nice. to me, and he was panicking about the movie. And he is this gay guy who has all of these issues about body image and, and aesthetics. It really didn't have that much to do with me. I know he thinks I'm beautiful. So that's the flip of that story. It's like, it's terrible, but. <laughs> And I'm still angry about it, but I can kind of like, okay, I've been in these situations where you say something that you're like, I cannot take that back. Yeah. Oh my gosh, who's here in the frame? <laughs> my dog just came into frame. Look at him. Hi. He, oh, I love him. He's so cute. I love him so much. It's ruined my life. Look at him. Hi. <sighs> he's just staring at the Zoom, just a part of yeah, it. Yeah, he's upset I'm not paying attention, more attention to him. You guys. Do people say you look alike? Because I see. Oh my god! Do I look like my dog? <laughs> I, I don't. You see a little resemblance. Yeah. I I do. He's a real serious motherfucker, and I yeah, I am as well. I. Kate. You both have like an inner glow. Oh, thank you. Um, we both have really big eyes. I'll give us that. Um, I I have to tell you this honestly. I I was looking up if a two person office chair exists so that my dog could sit with me at work every day. <laughs> If a oh, you mean like a couch? I do mean like a couch, a but I was two, like, I was like, is there like a two person? Like I can a sidecar for a office chair? Yeah, because if if he can sit next to me, he always wants to. But he's also, uh, you know, he has a codependence problem that I forced upon him, and so I'm right. Only so, like, do you want to be right? He, he, maybe he would want to be right on the same level with you, right next to you. Yeah, like if I could put him in a baby Bjorn, like I might, and that feels bad. Right, I shouldn't do that. Okay, wow. Okay, okay. Let's get back to the book. Okay. Um, and may I ask, and maybe you're not talking about this and you can cut this, but is he coming to New York with you um, or is he going to stay here? Oh, yes. So um, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, the job I got requires I go to New York for the production parts of the episodes, which is like good, good, huge chunks of time. The dog is so attached to me. Yasser and I have had long discussions about what will ruin his life more, like me being gone or him flying and living in New York City when he's scared of everything. We have come to the conclusion that it's me being gone and he needs to yeah, come with Yeah, I was just going to say that. And so yeah. I literally am getting him a dog trainer and her training is how I need this dog to be good enough for me to walk him through the airport. <laughs> That's all I need. I, I need him. one walk. I need him to walk. I need him to be able to be on a plane for six hours. I, just I, to walk. I, I, I can't yeah. believe I'm taking so much of the podcast up about this. Did you hear him? That's him being like, pay attention. He just <laughs> responded. Um, yes, I have nightmares He's about so um, how do I get him to New York and will he be happy and will he still like his life? Um, I'm in a He'll I'm in a bad happy. place. I'm in a bad place. Okay, look. Uh, wherever we go, there we are, John Cabotson. So <laughs> if you're there, he's going to love you. As long as you're there, he's going to be great. Oh, good. Oh, good. Can okay. he come into the office with you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Yes, good. if he learns to like other dogs, again, we're working on it. Okay, Casey. Everyone's going to be like, yes. I can't believe she got Casey Wilson on the podcast and talked about her dog for, for 10 minutes. Um, okay. Well, he's the cutest dog I've ever okay. seen. I've told you okay, that. Thank you. Um, okay, so I... Uh, very quickly, the story about David, your husband. I just want to say, like, you sometimes meet couples where you're like, wow, they're a true match. You and David are just, like, such a true 
match. And I know you know that. I know you feel that, but I just want to reflect it back to you because like, I don't know if you ever have this where you're like, whoa, I almost married like this other freak. Like I almost didn't meet this person. <laughs> that improv teacher. Yeah. That improv teacher. That could have been you. Um, yeah. And yeah, I just really love your guys' love and I'm honored to like know it in person, but also in the book, I was like, what a beautiful essay you wrote for him. That's all. I don't have a question. Aww. I just want to tell you that. Thank you. I love him so much. What if you took I this really moment do. to be like, you know, he's got some flaws. I have an announcement. Um, okay. <laughs> We're done. I need to make sure I read something right in your book. Um, you're on a camping trip. Your parents' best friends are going through a divorce. And years later, the woman from that couple who was going through a divorce on this camping trip, Lori, dates mm-hmm. your dad? Was that? Do I have that right? Yep. For two years. Yeah. Casey, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I cannot. My dad kissed my mom's cousin. He dated her sorority sisters. He dated her best friend. And he dated this woman. Wait, I'm sorry. Hit that list again? Okay. After my mom died, he kissed my mom's first cousin. He then dated this woman, who was my mom's sorority sister. He dated another sorority sister. And then he dated my mom's best friend of 20 years, who I love and actually, like, absolutely love. I. My stepmom, he met crossing the street, so we had no prior history. Oh, that's nice. Do you have a theory behind why your dad did that? <laughs> no. I mean, <laughs> my dad is just there's, – there's no rhyme or reason. Like, my – that psychic told me that my dad was a newer soul – Oh, boy. He's just bopping around through this life, and he means no harm. He's such a nice person. He's just, like, he's not, uh, like, the most, like, elevated plane um, that we have. I don't know. I think he was just like, oh, well, where else am I supposed to meet people? I know. I was, it was almost sounding like he was like, well, I I guess my dating network is all the women I've met through. <laughs> like, that's like he didn't yes. know you could cross the street and just meet someone. So yeah, he, no, he yeah, he was like, well, I know these women, and I yeah, he he's a wild character. I laughed so hard at that. Okay, wow, that was incredible. Okay, uh, I have another quote I want to read. Um, in college, I was in a performance of Much Ado About Nothing that was so bad the head of acting said aloud to the audience like a Greek chorus no one asked for, "We're in hell." It didn't feel good to hear that from on stage. And to have to continue trotting around on all fours because I was playing Dogberry as an actual dog. Hashtag choices. I've <laughs> never read something that summed up um, acting school so well. Yes. That is acting school in a nutshell. I, do you look back on acting school and are you glad you went? Or are you like, why so did glad. I spend my money? Okay. How come? Well, I'm not glad I spent the money. But I, but I guess I am. I mean, I met all my best friends that to this day, you know, Matt McConkie and June Diane Rayfield, we all met there and Laura Kindred. I mean, these are my dearest friends. So I guess I'm like, was it worth paying for friendship? I guess. No. Yes. But always. I did, I did learn a lot. I will say I absolutely loved it. I, but I'm a theater geek, you know? Yeah, of course. Yeah. And did you, was it your choice to play Dog Barry as a dog or was that? Of course. <laughs> Of course, I'm making. I made bold choices. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's oh, amazing. Oh God, I'm just thinking about being on that leash. Oh, awful. Oh no, an actor. You were a leash dog. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> don't 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 look at me like. Of course, Chelsea. Like I wasn't going to be a wild dog. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever read that play, Sylvia? One person will have heard this. 
um, Sarah Jessica Parker played a dog, Sylvia, on Broadway. Right. And I remember I saw that and I was like, this will be good. And I was like, <laughs> I'll take this to the Shakespeare world. <laughs> You're right. I totally forgot about that. Oh, my God. The things we do in theater school. Um, to okay. try to be like Sarah Jessica Parker. I mean, uh, ha- that's incredible. Okay, so here's my other question for you. I know you're a big musical theater geek, and you have a great uh, story about like trying to sing Send in the Clowns in, in school, and your teacher's like, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Um, you haven't lived your experience. So if I were today, be like, Casey, big audition for a Broadway play about Dogberry. <laughs> uh-huh. You, you got to get to the theater <laughs> in 10 minutes and sing your song. What are you going in with? Wow. What a fucking question. <laughs> I'm going in with another hundred people just got off of the train from Company by Stephen Sondheim. Oh my God. Wow. I, that you, I would never be able to answer that question. You're like, okay, here it is. I'm ready. <laughs> here um, it is. I'm like, Chelsea, what? I, what? What are you talking about? Should I sing some? Chelsea, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, okay. I love that so much. Um, what you just said led into a question I really wanted to ask you about. Friendship is all over your book. Uh, everyone listening knows when I spot a female friendship in a book, it's like my favorite thing. You have so many of them, Danielle, Kulop, June, Laura. And you started out with a lot of these friends in college, as you just said, and you've stayed friends and you've done projects and, um, you've done all the things with, and you've had families and everyone has different things in their life. You've done all the things that can often lead to friendships, uh, breaking up, especially working together and, and all that stuff. What do you think has led to these friendships lasting and making it through all the ups and downs of life? Oh, my gosh. I don't know. I mean, I think June and I, because we started, you know, we were comedy partners, which is, I do people even still say that phrase. But in writing partners for so long, like, I think we just honestly got lucky that our sensibility was literally like, you know, if someone's sensibility with yours is off by even an inch, it just causes huge problems. Yes. Or if they don't want to work as much as you want to work, yes. they're, it just is just will not work. And we both were so kind of boldly tenacious in ways that are upsetting looking back, but we kind of bo- bolstered each other and kind of like hurled ourselves into this business together and shared the kind of exact same sensibility. And I think we just got lucky because— yeah. That is so, so— rare and and truly whenever people and writing partners ask me they don't even have to ask me for advice if someone's like hey will you read my script with my partner I'm always like I know you didn't ask for this but like really think through if you're going to be in this partnership because uh it cuz when they break up they can destroy your life uh like especially if you yeah. you work with them like if you sell well, a movie it's a marriage it's a marriage yeah it's a marriage yeah wow and you found somebody to marry and you're still married <laughs> And, you know, also it's been, like, great. Like, June's written with other people. She wrote a book. And usually that stuff is hard for people, though, right? Like, oh, you're going to go do your own thing. You're going to partner with someone else. Like, how did you guys – how do you guys make it through that? Because you do all your own stuff. You have the podcast with Danielle. Yeah. It just kind of evolved, honestly, into kind of a great place where I think in the beginning we both – and she would say this, too, like – we both always had a very healthy competition with each other, but it wasn't negative. Yeah. It really wasn't. It was just like, oh, fuck, she got that. I got to fucking get something. <laughs> you know, like, it. but it was kind of like galvanizing. And we always talked about it. And it was always like running under the friendship and, but okay, but also extremely supportive of each other. And then I think, you know, we started to have kids. And I think we, even before that, we were kind of like, there was just a natural evolution of like, I think we both felt it, which has always been our strength together, like feeling out things of like, oh, I don't think we're going to probably, we can do everything together. Like we thought we would. I don't know what we thought. Like we would both share a role on a show or we would both. 
And it just kind of like evolved, you know, where she would get a job and then one of us would work with someone else. And it just kind of evolved into a, a really great place where it's like we don't work like exclusively with, with each other. But, of course, we always try to. Um, wow. But it's nice because I, I do think there can always be hard feelings with that stuff. Yeah. I mean, like, this is just what you're saying sounds just like pure magic to me because— I mean, we went to astrological counseling. Okay, there it is. Ooh, ooh, okay. I was looking for—you know, I—this is a very pathetic true story about me. I I tried to get a best friend who I was—I could tell. I was like, "Uh uh-oh, we're, like, having a falling out. Uh, My creative partner to go to couples therapy with me. Yeah, (laughs) that's what we did. She was like, are you fucking out of your mind? I, like, I want to give this part of my life to someone I, like, am in a romantic relationship with. And I was like, oh, interesting. But you guys did. Yeah, totally. God, that's With so Heidi cool. Rose Robbins, who I mentioned in the book, my astrologer. Yeah, you also, uh, astrological counseling, which I feel like is different yeah, did than you like catch that. Yeah, no, yeah, because I was I was legit like, I, let's go to a couples therapist. <laughs> but I think that's so smart. We just didn't really know anyone at that time. Like Heidi is like our consigliere. Like I love that Heidi also came up on Kulop's episode. Um, yeah, so. oh, she's gonna come up, 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 up. June always says, but it really makes me laugh. When we went to Heidi, Heidi's trying to explain to June, like, why I was so volatile and stuff because of my Scorpio. Yes. And we left, and June goes, wow, I really feel I finally understand you through the stars. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I love you guys. Uh, So special. Okay, we're coming to the end of the book. You have a quote where you say, fear is boring. mm -hmm. And that's going to be my new mantra. Because I have a lot of, you know, we have a lot of stuff with fear of like, you just got to walk through it, you got to whatever. And I've never heard an incredible, more incredible put down of something that holds all of us back. It's just like, it bores yeah. me. How did you get to that place? I don't know. I'm just like, it serves, it doesn't serve anything. Like, I'm just kind of like, whatever happens is scary, but why am I putting energy also being anxious? It doesn't, it's not something that I identify with as much. Now, the pandemic has changed that a bit. Yeah. But I don't think these are things you can choose for yourself necessarily. Like, I'm a depressive, not like an anxiety person, but I'm just like, but wait, what is the point of worrying about something that hasn't happened necessarily? And then I do believe like putting energy into something of like fearful thoughts and thinking negativity, I just think it comes right back to you and reinforces your narrative, that whatever is, yeah. you're putting out there. And that's some kookier stuff. No, I love it. I I, I don't know who to attribute this to, but I'm, I swear I got it in an Oprah magazine when I was like 12 or oh, something. Oh, I'm sure. Whatever you're going to say, I'm sure, it, It's Oprah. this thing of like, there, are, there are, are two wolves in a forest. Uh, which one survives? And the answer is the one you feed. And the wolves are like the light part of yourself and the dark part of yourself. Which one survives the one you feed? And I was like, whoa, holy shit. But I think it's that same concept of like, yeah, what you give energy to will thrive. My mouth open. I'm like, wow, that's really hitting. Pretty deep, I love right? That. That <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know where. It, maybe it wasn't Oprah, but I like found it in a book. I pasted it in my journal, and I was like, this shit is di- is tight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay. We have. I've. We've. I've purposely skipped so many incredible stories. A story about you and your mom at Weight Watchers. That I like cried laughing tears. Um, stories about the emails to your sons. Like so many great stories because I want people to be able to read it, Casey. But um, the last thing I'll I that the last thing I want to ask you is how has it changed you to write your own story? It really has. I do feel like I've put a lot, and I hate like to say this this pun of like closed chapters on things, but I really have. I'm like, okay. 
I've told that story of like my family of origin. Like I, I, I've had a little arrested development, like letting them go. I think as my mom like was kind of died suddenly, there's just something about me being like, I don't know what it is, but I do feel I've put a lot to bed and I can like turn my attention and focus and soul a little bit more to the present with my kids and family. Like I'm like, I shared something about them that hopefully other people can see. I'm clearing up misunderstandings I've had with myself. And I, yeah, I do feel there was like some kind of like letting go in a good way. Oh, I just, I just love that so much. And selfishly, um, whatever the next chapter brings you, I hope you write another book about it. I hope you give us a million more books. Um, And thank you so much for coming on this podcast. And also thank you for, uh, I just want to tell everyone, you texted me when I was still doing my Instagram stuff and you said, uh, I love Celebrity Book Club. Do you want to come and do a segment on our podcast about it? And um, gave me a platform to do Celebrity Book Club for the first time. So I just want to say thank you for that. And thank you for helping me create this. And it just means so much to me. Oh, you're so sweet. And thank you for reading the book and being so kind about it and having me on and talking about it. It's so nice. Well, the being kind really was is. natural because, Casey, I have a high bar. I read a lot of this shit. You do. Yeah, you, I, this, you know I, this genre. I trust and I entrust it with you completely. Oh, I love that. So I'm so happy. Um, will you tell everyone where, I mean, obviously you could buy your book on Amazon. What other places can they buy your book? I mean, obviously your local bookstore is amazing if you can. Yes. That'd be wonderful. But, you know, Jeff Bezos, throw him a bone. You can also do that. Um, yeah, you can buy it wherever books are sold. They're everywhere. And you guys- And there's an audio book too, which will be out all on May 4th. Stop it. I did not know that. Oh my God. Yeah. I love that. Oh, I love the audiobooks. Yes. Um, are you going to ever write a book? I, you know what? I'm not going to pretend I don't want to do that, but I do think- I think you should. But I also would be crushed to write a book that only like you and Yasser read after begging. And everyone else no. is like, why, why did she write this? <laughs> um, no, but um, I, I think you should. I'm putting that out there for well, you. Thank you. Honestly, even just for like every- Every person is like, it is so healing. It is so healing just to tell your own story. Um, And Lonnie Anderson and Jane Fonda both were like, even if you don't write a memoir, like tell your story because it heals you. And so for that alone, I'm anything, anything that sounds like Xanax, like give me some. Yeah, it is very healing. And I think you'd be really great at it. And I think you're so funny. That is way too nice. That is way too nice. Um, Okay, and tell everyone where they can find you on Twitter and Instagram if for any reason they don't already follow you. At Casey Rose Wilson. And we have the same middle name. I just have to say that. I know. Okay, I love you so much. Thank you for coming on. Thank you, Chelsea. Thanks for having me. That's all for this week's episode. I'm so glad we had Casey on to talk about her book. And you guys, she is a friend. I am biased. But I do read a lot of these books. And this one was just so joyful and enjoyable. And if you're looking for something that will really just lift your spirits and give you a ton of laughs, I highly recommend her book. And as always, I will be making a visual story on my Instagram of pictures and, oh my gosh, pictures from the party we met at. I'll put those up. And um, pictures of Casey and all the things she talked about will be on my Instagram, at Chelsea Devantes. And on the Facebook group, Celebrity Book Club Podcast, You can start your own conversations and uh, people post articles there. And that is another really great spot. And I'll put a whole photo dump there the moment the episode drops. I could not do this podcast without our amazing production team here at Stitcher. Executive producer Daisy Rosario, producer Brandon Nix, and associate producer Corinne Wallace. 
If you want to listen to ad-free episodes of Celebrity Book Club, you can only do that with Stitcher Premium. Go to stitcherpremium.com and use the promo code BOOKS to get a month of Stitcher Premium free. You guys, we have the Listen to the Cookies, the book club episode coming up where people sent in questions and stories. I'm so excited for this episode. That will drop next week, and I will see you then.